Hello! Thank you for coming to the Cardano Aura podcast. This is episode number three. This is going to be a little change up. So normally, the Cardano Aura is a use and utility podcast. We bring the people that are building on Cardano, and specifically the people that have already built. They show off their projects live, we have a long-form discussion, and we talk about how they can bring value to the ecosystem. But... I wanted to have a little different style of video with Project Catalyst going on. This is the first fun. We're in fun two right now. So I actually wanted to go out and get some of the people that actually have ideas on fun two. So I personally have an idea. It's uh, for the Cardano Aura, and that, that's what this podcast is. After this video, the link for all of these ideas will be down below if you guys want to give feedback. The actual structure for this, obviously, is going to be a little different because we have four people instead of just two. So I'm going to let you guys know what the structure is before we get started. So the way it's going to work is each person is going to be given time to present their ideas, um, just as much time as they need. And then following that, there's going to be a little Q&A session for probably five to seven minutes, depending on how many questions are. Uh, that's going to be both from the viewers and then also from the other people in, in this podcast. Um, if you guys have any criticisms or any feedback or any um, just anything, feel free as long as it's nice and constructive. And it's the same thing for the viewers. I'll be picking those questions out personally. If you guys have the chats pulled up, you can p- pick the questions if it's your time as well. That's no problem. Um, if you guys want to support my channel, the best way you can do is delegate to Bloom and Bloom 2. We have a 2.5 million pledge to secure the network from Sybil attacks. We have over 3,000 different addresses delegated to our pools. So it adds some security to that deadly minimum cost per epoch. Um, the other best way to support the channel is downloading the Brave browser. The Brave browser blocks ads and pays you in cryptocurrency just for using the browser. It also blocks the trackers within those ads, and that protects your data. But let's get started. The first idea I wanted to... Or Obviously, I should let you guys introduce yourselves. How are you guys all doing on this fine, really, afternoon, depending on where you are? Okay, I'll start. Uh, so, uh, pretty pretty good day today. Yesterday, it was rainy. Today, today was nice, nice sunny summer. So, I took a dog for, for a walk. You know, nobody goes to the offices anymore because COVID. So, so today, th- today was great. And then I wrote some papers, and then we chatted. Uh, then we had a chat about this this episode. But everything's going great. It's... It's six o'clock, so you know it's getting getting to the to the time when you turn on the TV and, and like watch some Netflix or something. Yeah, it's zone out. Great. Yeah, my morning's been pretty good too. I just went. I went on a bike ride before the podcast. You know, made a nice breakfast to get me prepared, and that's about it. How about you, Pratesh? How are you doing this morning? Yeah, man, doing well. I'm excited. This is going to be a fun chat. Me too. What about you, Kyle? Hey, I feel great, man. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, it's no problem, man. I, I really think it's going to be fun. You know, it's it's no problem me having you guys on. But the first idea I wanted to go into is actually Kyle's idea. Um, he t- currently has two ideas, and you can start with whichever one you want first. Um, if you're going to start with the Spocker idea, uh, please let the audience know what Spocker is, um, how it will help, like va- what, what value it brings to the ecosystem. Sure. Yeah, thanks. So uh, I'll go ahead and... Uh, uh, talk about Spockra. So Spockra stands for State Pool Operators Collective Representation Assembly. And it's a congregation of stake pool operators. We're trying to form an organization around that can identify gaps in, um, I would say, kind of like time bombs in the ecosystem, things that we would want to address relevant to the health, you know, protecting the health of the network and maintaining a, a viable, profitable ecosystem for stake pool operators. And so what the lead initiatives or problems involved in that is we got some education to do that we've got to wrap up and really kind of 
kind of kind of put in a nice uh, consumable package for for less experienced operators so they can bring their architectures up to speed and that's one aspect and the other aspect is um you know kind of approaching it from a how can we provide value and some of that value is in obtaining collective knowledge through interaction with each other because we have a unique community and we do that and the state the stakeholders of the ecosystem cardano foundation and iog can find value in kind of uh, congregated, well thought out, well organized opinions about certain actions they take, and that gives us the value to create communication bridges, which is extremely important. And that gives stakeful operators the ability to understand what's coming down the pipe and also influence what's coming down the pipe. And I think that's going to be, um, you know, particularly helpful. And, and it's hard if you're outside looking in to understand the, the need for it. But as we've moved through testnet, we've gained a lot of new operators. And a lot of decisions have been made along the way that hurt new operators and limited kind of the market space or changed it drastically because we have an understanding of how things work. And if we can't influence the parameters that change that and we're not given guidance to do that, um, it can be a really dangerous business landscape for operators. Yeah. So there's a lot of and one thing. Um, one thing I think it's important thing. to mention is specifically. Um, so you have new stake pool operators coming on that aren't very knowledgeable on how to protect their keys, how to protect themselves, and how to be uh, a healthy part of the network, right? So why is it important for the average person in the Cardano ecosystem? How can a an operator that doesn't have as much experience as they need actually hurt the network, not just for themselves, not just lose their own funds, but actually hurt maybe something like the chain density. And why is it important for all operators to be knowledgeable other than just themselves? Um, So from a high level, a step back, you know, relevant to chain density, the importance is if there's a lot of stake in a lot of pools and those pools go down or they're compromised or they're, uh, you know, impaired and they don't function to produce blocks that will decrease chain density. And there's a threshold uh, where the, the network would not be able to recover from. Now, I believe uh, that that is, you know, much more robust now with the recent revisions of Cardano node, um, whether they're in place or not or they're coming, I'm unsure, but it's not as big of a, a deal, but it still is an issue. So just for example, we had a whole lot of operators upgrade to 1.19.1 and you know within hours of the epoch change we had to issue an emergency rollback anybody who carried that over and went into the epoch while d was less than 0.1 you know risk corrupting their database and it happened you know it happened down the road but you know you had to rewipe your database if you did that but part of gaining this information we can set up communication channels and they can be extremely valuable because it's not just us to stake pool operators we can start to, to as we're building inbound lists we can kind of categorize these guys out to interest and leverage that to communicate better to delegators of certain interest and collaborate better too as a community. So it's another value pocket that we can create for the ecosystem. Yeah. And that's important. And I also think it's really important for people to know that it's not really only the staple operators problem if they lose their funds, not just them losing their funds, but if they're not prepared enough to be a stake pool operator, you know, it can actually hurt the health of the network and the education of stake pool operators is I think integral for the health of the network, you know, so. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, Um, you know, on on, on the other hand, uh, if I, if I can weigh in uh, when it comes to the security, I would actually support the proposal where at least a little bit, bit small, little small amount of ADA would have to be held online on the server, because uh, for for me, I, I'm not operating my own pool. I'm delegating, 
because of the market conditions, I decided it's the smarter, smarter idea. Uh, for me, as a delegator, as a delegator, it's more important to know that someone's security been compromised, and I cannot trust him to keep the chain secure anymore, as opposed to uh, him being able to hide that he, that his uh, server uh, been, uh, been been hacked. I'm I'm not talking that the entire pledge would have to be online. But let's say a little bit, little bit of bounty that would be there, and if hacker compromises the block-producing nodes and gains the the key evolving keys, so he can actually forge, uh, forge the uh, the blocks on a proof-of-stake sidechain, uh, on a proof-of-stake blockchain, uh, it would be it would be uh, an important metric uh, for me to to you know change to to different delegate. Uh, to the different operator who has better security measures and so on and so forth. So yeah, that, that not, is an like, that is an interesting idea, Mark. Um, just I think the current issue with that is the fact that so many operators are actually uneducated on how to protect their keys. You know, so if there was proper documentation and proper education out there, that would be an interesting idea. But I, I do think there needs to be more ways for delegates to actually see if the operator they're delegating to is competent or not. You know, because yeah, currently with the parameters in Daedalus, with Ada Pools, with all the ways that you can view pools, there's really no way to see if the operator is co- competent. The only way that I've seen thus far is Pool Tool's own way, where you can download a script, start the script, and it'll show the current block height for your stake yeah, pool. And there is there is like 1,000 stake pools and only 150 reports the height. Uh, that yeah. was pretty, that was uh, close to the amount that we had on the ITN. There was maybe 250 uh, that were reporting. I would definitely not choose a pool that doesn't even report the block height because yeah. he doesn't uh, contribute uh, towards the overall network uh, community uh, being aware about the about the health of Yeah, the- and I think that'd be really good for small stake pool operators as well because if you only have a million ADA delegation and, and you're not getting blocks as often, it's good to be able to show your current delegates, hey, I'm operating a current block height. But uh, for this part, so let's keep it just to the person that's proposing their idea. And then when the Q&A session starts, then we'll allow each other to chime in because I think that'll just um, really mess with the time constraints. So back to you, Kyle. Um, I think, you know, we've covered Spocker in this, unless there's, you know, questions from the community. I mean, I, there's value for education. We need it. You know, on the cryptographic key front, you know, a lot of operators don't even understand the urgency of why it's important to keep your keys cold. You know, they don't understand that they're risking money potentially. They're just trying to get to the end game following mm-hmm. a guide. And, and there's nowhere in there that says, hey, w- warning, you know, don't screw yourself. And there's a lot of instances, you know, like shout out to Martin for, for you know, kind of tr- adding a way to lock the private keys. Because as you're repeating steps, we have people writing over their keys. You know, they done sent, you know, five grand to their address. They rerun the instructions and wipe their private keys. And it's like. Okay, we got to go to school for a minute before we really dive into this documentation. Well, to be to be honest, we got a lot of new operators, but we learned the hard way. Oh, to be yeah, honest, one, one second, Mark, until we get to the Q and A part. I had a couple more questions for you, Kyle, um, specifically with the Spacra proposal that you're trying to get funding for Spacra. What is actually going to be accomplished with the funds in the initial Spacra proposal? Sure. So there's a small amount of funds that go towards organization. Um, there's there's legal, and that's where the majority of that goes. And then the majority of the budget is being directed towards education. Um, we've got a variety of uh, educational content pieces that need to come out. We've discussed the needs around them, and that's kind of 
what we'll do to address those. So that's the initial phase of, of what we're doing. And we kind of are looking at it at a, as a piecemeal funded project and we'll present everything that we believe uh, needs funding up front. I mean, the, the amount of money we're asking for is relatively small in comparison to things. That's that's the gist of, of the budget. And you guys can check out the Catalyst proposal. Um, there may be some other things in there, but it's extremely transparent. Yeah, and I'll have actually have the link for that down below after this is uploaded. Um, I didn't put it in the descriptions right now. Um, but another thing that I wanted to talk about is is the reason education is included in that proposal is exactly what we just talked about prior. It's important to op- to educate operators, not only for them, but for the health and the security of the network. So we can go ahead and enter the Q&A um, session. You guys can ask any questions about what SPOCRA is and then also the proposal. Um, and you guys can also give any feedback and criticisms. And then um, I'm going to open the floor to you guys if you guys have any questions or feedback for Kyle. And then I'm going to go take a look at those questions. Yeah, Kyle, I just wanted to kind of jump in there. I did check out the proposal, man, and uh, I'm agreeing with you a lot on a lot of those points that you made. You know, the Cardano Foundation, they came out with that course, and it's like that's that's a pretty high level, just kind of giving you a general idea for pool operators. But I think having a resource that really goes deep into managing keys and, you know, a lot of the education required for being a pool operator. So I really like what you're doing there. And, you know, being uh, being on Spocker, I think that's incredible. So, uh, you know, really uh, looking forward to that. If you do get the funding, uh, I'm rooting for you. Thanks, Kaizen. Yeah, um, you know, and a lot of that was done because I was actually on the front line with Loris supporting State Pool School. You know, they launched it. We supported it and we saw all the gaps like, well, this is going to be a disaster. So, uh, you know, we've got to kind of really push and get this education in place and get these guys up to speed. You know, you guys saw how many pools we had come up. Most of those people came two, three days before mainnet launch. We had a good subset that ran through HTN, and then we had a really good subset of core guys that carried through through the ITN. And we lost a few along the way, but the majority of operators are brand spanking new. And that's where I, I understand your guys' points about understanding operator competency. It's a big deal, you know? I mean, uh it's going to be a big deal. And so we want to get in front of this and maybe we can mitigate that. So the public doesn't see it on the back end, but that's another protection to the network. In six months, we got a lot of operators screaming that they were robbed because they left their pledge on. I mean, that's not really good marketing either. So. Right. Right. Yeah. The ITN was kind of like that test phase, but for those new guys coming in, absolutely. Yeah. We don't have any questions specifically. No, we do actually, we just got one. Um, so someone said, so it was a th- the L337 trance. He said, Kyle, question for you. Are you still doing the IoT with the, Ado- how do you pronounce that? Adoja? Adoja. Yeah. 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 It's named after my, my, my wolf. Yeah. I raised a wolf and his name was Adoja. I like so, that name. Um, yeah. Yes, I am. That's my second proposal. Yeah. We will be going into that. So I'm going to let everyone um, else speak first and then we'll be going into the, uh, the IoT probably near the end of the podcast. That so, sounds cool. Um, awesome. You want to start, Mike or Mark? My bad. I was thinking Mike from Pool Tool. I had him on last week. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mike. Mike is great. Uh, so yeah, so I'm proposing uh, a research idea. Basically, it's it's really like a feasibility study. Uh, it's a feasibility study into into a distributed, decentralized uh, cloud platform. So basically, I have like. 11 years of commercial experience and another 10 years of, uh, of experience with, with infrastructure from, from the years before. 
building private clouds, public clouds, enterprise infrastructures, and so on and so forth. And during the past, let's say, five years, uh, different uh, f- uh, takes on on a distributed computing using blockchain has emerged. Uh, I could name uh, Siacoin SIA, which which basically uses a Bitcoin sidechain uh for for recording data and and its own token there is a a storge which is quite popular and much less heavy it uses ethereum then there is a filecoin uh which uh which is sort of a cardano of the of the distributed storage systems they they really went heavy on research so they published the scientific paper called proof of a replication which uses zero knowledge uh, cryptography they uh, also wrote a paper that extends a paper from iohk called proof of space time and these things uh, if, if you would combine them with the lightweightness of storage and build it on top of cardano in, instead of using a custom token uh, you would be able to pay for the services rendered by the service providers uh, using directly ADA or uh, Cardano native stablecoin, it could provide not only services to uh, to uh, Cardano users, but also uh, another revenue streams uh, for a certain subset of the stake pool operators, especially those who don't host their infrastructure in cloud, but uh, have a physical physical infrastructure. They could just add additional servers to their already existing footprint on which they would be able to provide the distributed services earning uh, a rather reasonable revenue with, uh, let's say, 30, 40 uh, percent margin. I, I made some calculations comparing to the, to the competitive market of AVS, GCA, and, and et, cetera, et cetera, and there would be a cost savings of up to 40 percent. So we could uh, we could uh, offer like uh, 20 percent margins to the pool operators and 20 percent uh, discounts to the users, which would be a way to bring new users in. Uh, users uh, operators could uh, offer added value to the delegates if they would participate in the distributed cloud as well. They could provide them something like a Google Drive or OneDrive uh, type of service uh, as as a benefit for delegating to their specific pools uh, and so on. So it, it would it would provide a way to differentiate uh, differentiate the stake pools as well. So that that's one of the one of the ideas. I picked the storage as the first one, not only because I was working for one of the largest uh, storage provide storage uh, uh, devices provider in the world for 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 over three years. But uh, also because it's the easiest to implement. But then there is uh, another part: networking and compute. And those are a little bit difficult, a uh, little more difficult, uh, difficult areas to tackle. But if yeah. you combine it into 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 one platform as a cloud, uh, 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 trying to solve all the issues, but you start with the storage. The storage industry in itself is big enough to self fund the rest of the to to, to, to self fund the rest of the development of the other pieces of the stack if we look at the network side that there there are like just three three services of the top of my head uh, some of some of them already have competitors some don't you can look at the cdn content delivery network you probably know twitch there is a project based on blockchain called tita and it basically it basically basically does does Twitch over over blockchain, where everyone who who watches Twitch also streams that to to his neighbors. So that could be that, that's another application that could be that could uh, use blockchain and be part of the distributed cloud. 
then there is a, a CDN for a static content. Uh, so web hosting of, of, of certain type of website, like if you, if you ever uh, tried to make some bet on Argor, which is like the uh, betting place on Ethereum, it uses IPFS, but IPFS doesn't provide any sort of uh, service level agreements or guarantees. The website could disappear tomorrow. We could build a, a, an alternative that that does the same. You pay a little bit of your revenue, but you have a, a an. Your mic cut out. And I also have a question for you. <laughs> Hello. I hear you now. Maybe oh, it was your so headset. I, I, um, I so I had a question for you. Are you looking for this to be a sort of marketplace? Or is there going to be a set price and a set rate, or is there going to be a dynamic marketplace that uh, reaches an from, equilibrium over time based on who, what people are from charging? The, from the beginning, it would probably be a fixed price, but we, we would converge towards a marketplace. Okay. And how much are I you mean, how it, much are you asking for the funding of the research? So I think this uh, is an 7, important 000, part. Seven thousand five hundred dollars, approximately. It's for seven seventy five thousand ADA. Yeah, and, and that's it. And that's a ten cents. So. And and uh, all the money would be used towards uh, research in terms. I I know the paper. I, I know a person personally who was uh, two years part of the uh, Filecoin uh, research team. Uh, he also wrote a paper that builds on the on Sonic. If you know Sonic Zero Knowledge Snark from IOHK, he he actually wrote a a, a plonk uh, Zero Knowledge uh, uh, Snark. Which built on top of of their of of their research. So I would I would wanted him to give me a detailed uh, analysis of like two three papers. So I would pay pay that. Then we have some some economics models to be to be discovered. I've been in talks with Umed, but I would prefer uh, to to pay a little bit of that budget to Umed for him to actually contribute to a paper that will discuss the business model and the tokenomics of the solution uh, and so on. And so, uh, I would I would also pay probably a little bit of graphic works uh, and, and that would be the, the research part. It, it could be like three or four papers plus one more paper that would uh, um, make comments to to five selected papers, some from IOG, some from other other entities. I definitely want to explore the proof of stake side chains uh, paper that uh, that has been written by, by IOG. I, I read the paper, but I am not a professional cryptographer. I would need a cons- consult for that. So I would I would uh, again uh, bring this to to someone in that in that field uh, uh, who would do the peer review with me, so we know where the limitations are. If there would be some additional uh, research uh, to be done uh, in order to accomplish the idea that I have. Yeah, and that, and that's really interesting, man. That's why I had you on today, and I, I think you're asking for a reasonable price for research, especially for for three papers coming out of it, and then you also have the the relevant experience for it. Um, and I think that would be really useful. And um, so, another thing I wanted to ask you specifically, you didn't touch on the um, tokenomics of it. So, will A to B use as payment, or will there be their own coin? I know I asked you this personally, but I want to ask you on here. Well, actually, if, if I can, uh, yeah, so it would be, uh, so there would be a tokenomics model, but there would be a, basically a security token, which would be used for governance. And it wouldn't be ICO'd, it would be earned. So if you would join the testnet for our product, 
you would get payment uh, in ADA for the services you provide. Plus, is an, plus in addition, you would get this governance token. Then you could use this governance token uh, to uh, control the treasury of the project because the project is supposed to become self-funded in the future. And uh, I also came up with the idea of uh, non-fungible tokens creating an executive branch where you would basically uh, have a DAO as a corporation living on a blockchain and all this activity would be happening happening on the, on the Cardano blockchain. But instead of uh, having a vote about some proposal uh, by everyone, uh, like twice a week, we would, we would elect uh, a CTO, a CEO, a project manager and so on and so forth. And only those who would be, would be uh, performing those functions, but the owners of the governance tokens would always be able to, uh, to uh, vote someone else in, into the office and his token would get burned and new person would gain that governance power. So it's, it's sort of an experiment also on how to build a corporation on a, on, on, on a blockchain using smart contracts as a DAO. It's really interesting. Those are the Can you, uh, can you separate that component from the uh, technology implementation? Obviously, because it's the great. research. The, the, the research. You know? The research. Yes, the smart contracts would also be uh, of, of something that could be that could be uh, replicated. It would be open source, of course. Yeah. All the research will be open source. Yeah. And and all the smart contracts yeah, would be open source. And and what I'm saying is that if, if I get this research and we get this organization, then for instance, Spakra could use the same, just uh, issue issue the tokens in a little sure. bit different way, and you could use that as part of your of your uh, model to elect the representatives of Spakra and so on and so forth. I really think this is a powerful idea yeah, I... worth exploring. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Yeah, and we can go ahead and enter the uh, Q&A phase. So if any viewers have any questions, uh, feel free to ask them. I'll read them. And then also, if you guys have any questions, criticisms, or feedback, feel free. Uh, Greg Youngers gave us a question about Spakra. Uh, so we're doing the Q&A phase for the actual catalyst idea that we're talking about specifically. Um, so we may we may be able to get to that to, at the end, uh, but right now this is just for questions specifically about the decentralized cloud research proposal. But maybe if we don't yeah, have any content, if we don't have any content, like maybe Kyle Kyle can can answer that question, and maybe in the meanwhile something specific to my project shows, shows up. Yeah, I mean, so it's all about organizing demand. You know, I, I don't really necessarily agree with D going down much faster. But, yeah, I think there should be some changes to K, but they need to be done smart and not necessarily, you know, uh, we all have opinions is what I'm saying. And so what we need to do is we need to organize those opinions and collectively communicate them. There were circumstances where D could not equal, you know, that, that transition from point nine to point eight was, would have just been so brutal. So it wasn't Spockra that, that did this, but that's kind of how Spockra was born in a lot of ways. Stakeful operators came together and we pushed and we said, hey, this is going to fly collectively. And next Epoch D was 0.8. So, we, so you know, we got a message across. And that's really what we've got to do is we've got to organize that energy into collective perspectives and opinions. And then if we can have and understand where stakeful operators stand, we can convey that in a meaningful way. 
So that's that's really what it comes down to create value in that communication channel. And then people would want to utilize what that can bring in the knowledge there. So maybe if I can add to that. Uh, and then after uh, that, you do have a question, Mark. Oh, okay. So what's the question then? Um, if a coin gets issued on ADA, will holders receive those coins as well? So I think he's specifically talking about the governance coin that you were talking about. And I think the answer to okay. that is no. So the idea for me, how to fund uh, the project with as little as, as possible from the from the common fund is I will reach partnerships with uh, SPOs and those who would join the testnet would be giving these uh, governance coins uh, as, uh, as a part of their rewards to their delegates who delegate to their stake pools. So I may pick like 20, 50 partners uh, who would be the the stake pool partners and those who would delegate to those those will be receiving the the governance tokens as soon as the as as uh, as the native assets come to to Cardano which should be by the end of this year yeah so the for the model that you're going for it wouldn't really be productive to just give all of those governance tokens out it to be, just anyone that holds ADA it would it would be even counter counterproductive exactly it would be unfair to everyone who actually did the work because we we are asking for very little, little money i mean the, the the entire budget of the project may be in in, in a couple for, for five years and and uh, uh tens of millions of us in in overall in overall uh, budget to develop it and and everything uh we are asking for 7500 uh, how how much ada should we how much tokens should we airdrop to to, uh, to to every ada holder it would be it would be ridiculously small amount for for this if we would be asking more money from the fund then we would uh have to figure out a way how to how to give uh, the tokens to all the to, to all the ada holders as well but uh, for now, as I see it, and as the current business plan is constructed, uh, that's not part of the plan. But the partnership with the, with the stake pools uh, is. Yeah, so there's another question from James Kiever. He said, how is the idea going to encourage development on the network within six months? That's the focus statement. Just not understanding how it's accomplishing the objective, not trying to hate. So I wanted to do talk on that. So a lot of people say that. I see that every day. How is a podcast going to help? The mission statement is not just for developers building. It's for entrepreneurs building on Cardano. If you read right below that, it doesn't just state developers. It says, how do we get entrepreneurs to build, right? And then also for his research project, he's that's entrepreneurship. And then following that, there is going to be development, but there needs to be a research stage prior to that. And us as Cardano holders know all about the research phase, right? Um, you guys can answer to that. I'm going to put on a crew neck real quick because I'm really cold. And I can I, I can add to that. Uh, as I said, I want to organize it as a DAO. So I would actually need to train a developer who's gonna implement the smart contracts for the DAO uh, and deploy those smart contracts on the on the on the Cardano mainnet. So it would contribute towards towards developer adoption because uh, there would be more 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 uh, Plutus developers in three to six months. Uh, uh, after after the 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 proposal would would get funded and we would actually have the corporate structure that we want we would transfer that legal document it would go through a lawyer who would uh, give a feedback then and then we would formalize it in the form of a smart of a smart contract 
So, so that that would that would contribute, and that that would be a code that is open source. That is that would be a code that is on the main net that can be tested, and everyone can play with it. Everyone can get inspired by it, and there would be a developer writing other codes. If you if if somebody would need it to hire a, a developer, there would be one or or two more uh, developers who currently uh, write uh, Ethereum uh, smart contracts. They would just they would just start writing in Plutus as well. So. Uh, customers looking for the apps would have a choice of, of developers because I would need developers to write the, that little piece, uh, piece of my code that's going to run on chain. I, I will be honest here about 90% of this would run off chain, 10% would run on chain. That's that's even why why we are asking so little money uh, of uh, for, from from the Cardano from the Cardano treasury. We have different uh, different funding uh, strategy for for the remaining costs. Thank you for that. I'm not seeing any more questions. I'll give another twenty seconds. See if we get any more questions specifically about your proposal. Then we can go ahead and move on move on to Kaizen. Uh, while we're waiting for those, um, Nostradamus had a question. He said. I guess it really wasn't a question. He was just kind of shilling his own proposal and saying that it will <laughs> refund 100% of the money. Um, I mean, that's that's nice, man. Uh, but like the just because you're refunding 100% of the money back to the treasury, also is there even a way to do that? Is there Actually, is there, is there a way to send ADA to the to the treasury? Currently, currently there isn't, and I was even considering that I would put. We it need in an my address for that, the treasury. That the money that I wouldn't spend, that I, I wouldn't have an invoice for, I would return back. But it, it's currently not possible. But in the future, we need that, of course. Yeah, we need an address for the treasury. You know, because I think I think yeah. a lot of people are going to be saying stuff like that. Specifically, that, um, that, that X current, amount of my currently. income will go back to the treasury. You know. Well, the current implementation. Uh, no, hey, Nostradamus, don't go. type that much in chat, or I'm going to ban you, man. <laughs> you can't spam five messages in a row, buddy. Uh, Mike Foster said, "Can it be a standard business model?" I think he was asking you. Yes, that would be a business model for service providers, and that would be a business model for resellers, and then there and the, then there is the consumer part, of course. The idea is that you, as a stake pool operator, could also uh, give like Google Drive kind of application to your delegates. And the data would be hosted in cloud that would be distributed and decentralized. Uh, and uh, and uh, you could give them like, you know, like Google Drive have has 10, 10, uh, 10 gigabytes free. You as an SPO could afford that because you would because uh, uh, you would be getting those governance tokens to pay for it. Uh, and uh, and on the on the on the other hand, if they would want it needed more capacity, you could actually charge them in ADA or in stablecoin. Uh, as a reseller, or or you, or th th there could be many resellers. There would be lots of providers. There would be lots of resellers, and and uh, there would be wide customer base available. It's of course about the convergence. I, I think this 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 is very important for. I mean, in Cardano, we we talk a lot about Africa, and so, uh, mostly people talk about uh, Africa in a financial sense. Okay, it's a poor continent. It doesn't have capital markets and so on and so forth. But even if you look at the infrastructure side, I just I, I recently did the, did a little research, and there are only two uh, 
high quality data centers in in Africa the in 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 uh, in the countries that you would consider to be african i'm not talking like uh, 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 the, the, the developed oil nations uh, there is about 10 of them in my country hundreds in the us in in europe every single country has at least 10 data centers this would enable africa to build their own infrastructure uh, without uh, and not need to wait for amazon to come because amazon may be there in 10 years and i don't really think we want the world where where there are just three providers of everything apple uh, amazon and and google so so that's that's uh, that's also a risk that i'm trying to solve with my with my issue the hyper consolidation of of power in the hands of of a few few large enterprises and it actually, actually recently, the Singularity Net that Cardano partnership has been announced. If you look at the AI, they will be there will be a lot of uh, off-chain code that needs to run somewhere. That mm-hmm. would be something that uh, that uh, the decentralized cloud would solve as well. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea, man. And I, I do like you um, just bringing Africa up, and then also the centralization of the current cloud power to really three entities. Because I mean, I know a couple other ones, but really the fourth biggest one to that would be DigitalOcean. Um, I actually did get a good question, so after I read this question, we will actually give it to Kaizen. Uh, but he said, "Is it possible stake pool operators and catalysts might seek to initiate AI to manage the settings in stake pool systems to automatically adjust the settings to optimize the system without having to vote?" So. That's a really tricky question, man. First of all, there would have to be an AI smart enough to do that, and then also people have to agree on those parameters to to do that. And then also every single stake pool operator would have to use that AI on their system, right? So there's a lot of issues there. I personally don't think that would happen because, first off, we have to all agree on that the AI is the is the overlord of the parameters, right? Because stake pool operators all have to agree, this is the settings and I'm going to put in my Genesis file to run on this this network, right? So I, I don't think that would happen because uh, we all don't agree and, and I don't think there's an AI good enough to even do that currently. We'd have to ask Ben Gortzel on that. So if, if I can add to that, there were actually Charles, Charles released the video and they actually discussed that with Ben. And uh, my take on that would be definitely let's not have it 100% in the, in the hands of the AI. Let's focus on the research and always have their, have their this contingency that, uh, okay, this is the proposal. We as humans need to approve the, the actual update. We wouldn't give the AI the power, at least not in the next five, 10 years uh, to, to do the decision, but we could take it as an input, uh, refine uh, its its projections, and so on and so forth. So there is definitely lots of research that could be done in the next five years, and maybe actually implementation in time. Yeah, and, and it's also, you also have to be careful with 100% trusting the research, right? Because if research was always the way things would need to be, we wouldn't have to change any of the parameters that we have now. And we would have already increased K to 250 by decker, not decrements, but of increases of 25 to 250. But that hasn't happened yet. And we're not going to do the gradual increase. Uh, we, we have no idea what's happening, but it's going to be a large increase. It's what we've been told thus far. you know. So we can't just trust research, and you also just can't trust an artificial, an artificial intelligence. you know. So Well, the, the, the research actually works quite nicely. The, the K is 150. And we have around 220 viable stake pools right now. 
So I'm, I don't know why anybody is complaining about well, research not being right. It's the parameters. Well, it's not. It's not just anybody complaining. It's IOHK talking about changing the parameters themselves. You know, it's not just people complaining saying, "Oh, there's a thousand stake pools. K needs yeah. to equal a thousand. It's specifically IOHK stating themselves that they would like a large increase of K, not tied to price, not tied to really anything other than the number of pools. You know, and also it's hard to judge viable pools in the system. If they if they if they do well, you can judge it by revenue. Uh, if if they do that and uh, they, they they increase it without any regards to the price, they will uh, create bunch of uh, low margin commoditized businesses and drive uh, any and drive any any sort of innovation. Uh, I I recently joined with with. Well, I mean, I personally that. think that that's the route that they're going. You know, I mean, you you have a lot of turmoil uh, with the U.S. election. We're entering, I think, what's going to be a bloody October. The price is going to go down, but we're still talking about a large increase of K. So it's not tied to price. It's not tied to actual sustainability. I think they're moving towards a place where there's going to be a lot of low-cost pools, and there's going to be a lot of pools, and all of those pools are going to be low-cost. If we do increase it at the current time, a large increase. But I, that's kind of that's kind of off the topic. I was just kind of commenting on what he said, and then also what you said. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Pratesh um, with his proposal. Yeah, so I mean, hey, it's pretty similar to uh, to some of the other podcast proposals out there. So we're going to do a Kaizen Crypto Cardano podcast, uh, really just creating a, a platform, really for a lot of these developers to come on and talk about their ideas. Um, really just trying to bring awareness around uh, what some of these DApps are going to look like on Cardano. So, uh, yeah, you know, keeping it really just short and sweet, um, you know, really just trying to help with the education aspect as well for people who want a resource to learn more about Plutus, Marlowe, you know, want to share a lot of that information as well. I'd like to have a lot of guest speakers on, too, from the community. There's so many cool things that I'm interested in um, getting a Haskell Pi running. Right. So like on a Raspberry Pi. So you know, trying to get that figured out. Uh, I know um, Alessandro Conrad is a pool operator for uh, Barry Pool. So, you know, having a guest speaker like that, you know, like yourself, like Kyle, uh, Mark, you know, uh, similar guest speakers talking about their ideas um, as far as the as far as the funding. So really just a lot of the costs involved, you know, camera equipment, computers, software. So a lot of the funding that we're going to be asking for is just to cover those operational costs. And then following that, are you guys going to try to push for um, funding themselves or are you going to go for further funding? Um, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, we got the stake pool. The stake pool is definitely something we're considering for business expenses. And, um, you know, if, depending on the success of the platform, you know, if we're able to grow right now, it's crazy to think about. It's like we're going to be celebrating 10K subscribers pretty soon. So just really stoked about that. Um, just seeing the growth, it's really incredible. But uh, yeah, just depending on the success of the platform, we'll be continuing the growth from there. Yeah. And I, and you say that your podcast is like a lot of the other podcasts. And I don't agree with that specifically because of the reaction that you have from the community, right? I mean, there are a lot of podcast proposals, but a lot of them don't have relevant experience in the sense they have a, a subscriber base. You know, they have um, something to work yeah. off of and they actually, good, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Cause in the future, and it's the same thing for this podcast, I wouldn't like to ask for DC funding again. I would like this to be its own business. I would like it to fund itself, you know, and 
it starting off initially with zero subscribers, even a hundred or even five hundred. I with four thousand, I'm sure even ten thousand. It's not a sustainable business model to continually doing this and then also paying yourself what you should be paid for doing this full time, all the time that you put in. And I think that it's a lot easier for a podcast, at least in your place. Um, to to actually be successful and run on its own business model. Uh, one thing that I was really interested in, man, is the news part of it. You mentioned that you were going to do news, and I, I think that's really important, man. I, I understand that there's a lot of people doing like the current news stuff, but there's not really like a central source of good information that's consistent, you know, because like you and I both do news stuff, and we upload the news videos kind of like semi regularly. But it'd be awesome if there was like a a once a week, and and this is just like off the top of my head, but it would be awesome if I could just watch something that had all the news in it, you know, and it'd be a podcast style with also the guests and stuff that you're thrown into it. So that's why I was initially interested in this podcast proposal. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that actually, because I know you do like the weekly recap and you know, that's a great format, right? Like you were saying, it's just being able to tune into a video, catch up on all the news. Um, really, uh, really think that would be beneficial because we would just benefit a lot from just having a resource for that. Um, and you're totally right, because right now, as far as asking for funding, it's really not sustainable just as its own. You know, asking for funding, it's really just a matter of getting off the ground. Yeah. It's like investing, investing all this time like YouTube doesn't pay. YouTube doesn't pay at all, especially talking about Cardano related content. It's such a niche topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, having it grow into a self-sustaining business model. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just to give a little bit of reference to that, um, I mean, if you make a video with that's really good, with like six thousand views, you know that's a pretty pretty large in the in the Cardano community. You'll probably make twenty or thirty bucks on that. You know, if it's a long form yeah. podca- podcast style, you'll probably make fifty bucks. You know, and there's a lot of time that goes into this. You know, it 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 obviously seems easy and it seems like anyone can do it, but anyone can do it. But there's a lot of time that goes into it, and. I think people really disregard um, really the time and effort that it takes to to, to do this stuff, at least because, I mean, you guys all know how everything is constantly updating in the Cardano community. So just even staying up to date with what's going on is a full-time job on its own, let alone being informed enough to make content about it, you know. So we'll go ahead and enter the Q&A session. If you guys have any questions for Kaizen, feel free. I'm also going to be taking some questions from the chat. So I would have one. Uh, you, you also operate a, a stake pool, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. The stake pool is Kaizen. So, so, so you should expect that the the podcast is part of your marketing expenses, just as Kyle expects uh, that uh, the videos that he made and the ads that he paid on YouTube to promote Frog were part of his business expenses for the stake pool. So you know, there should. That should in in the economical model that you're gonna consider this should be this should be disco- discounted because it is obvious from the distribution of stake that the people who have large podcasts actually have much more delegated stake uh, and they make uh, they they may not make uh, money from YouTube videos but they sure make uh, money from from the uh, from from the delegated stake that they have. Yeah, that's an interesting I mean, point. Yeah, thanks for sharing. But I'm kind of looking at it backwards too. You know, I'm using my stake pool to fund my business, right? So it's it's yeah. similar in a way, you know. Um, and and you know, I think that's really what delegators should also be considering. Is I'm not saying, I, you know, I think podcasts and and the stuff that you guys do as content creators provides real value, and that's great that you found success tying that to your stake pool and leveraging the audiences you reach. 
you know, I'm trying to do the same thing with what I'm trying to do. It's just a little different angle and it's got a different approach to kind of attracting awareness. But I think, I think for stake pool operators to succeed, they're going to have to start creating value and differentiating themselves because whether stake pool operators like it or not, we're carving a niche of people who are willing to pay operators a decent fee to do their job in the community. So if you guys want to go and be 0% operators, have at it. You know, we don't want those type of delegators. And there's a niche for, 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 for the awesome delegators, you know, you guys who understand who's rocking the community and who's doing good stuff. So I'm not too worried about, you know, people who are doing well and promoting Cardano, making money from winning, you know, yeah, the but, game's going to uh, change. So, yeah, I, I, I want to touch on this a little bit too, though, change. Mark. So yeah. you're, you're also running a stake pool for your, your business, the decentralized cloud business. So how is it any different I, I, that I'm, I'm he's running, how is, he's running a YouTube channel. He's starting a stake pool to help fund his YouTube channel because his YouTube channel actually came before the stake pool, right? His YouTube channel yeah. isn't an expense of his stake pool. His Stake pool is an expense of his YouTube channel, and it's a way to bring in revenue to continue to do that content. So I think it's a little bit it's it's wrong to say that it's not okay to do that with this, but it's okay to do it with your decentralized cloud research project. Well, actually, I am not running a stake pool, so that's false false assumption. I thought you one. were with the the Docla. I, the I, I am I am partnering. I am I I'm merely helping a guy who is from my city and struggles because he doesn't have the following and the social community that some of you enjoy. That's that's the thing number that's the thing number one. And second, I didn't say it shouldn't get funded. I said in the request of funding, it should be calculated. What, and actual math should be presented as, okay, my YouTube channel brings me also this much revenue in added stake that I wouldn't have. So I can then use discounted cash flow models like any uh, CFO in any venture capital firm would do if you would come to him and ask him for money. Yeah, that's a fair I, assessment. I don't disagree with that at all. I, I took I mean, it. I took it as if you were saying that he shouldn't no, he shouldn't no, get no. funding because of the stake pool, but coming in with those models. And I also think it's important to say that the stake pool model for business is not steady. You know, if if ADA goes down to six cents and they increase K to five hundred, you know, I I'm not making as much money as I was then before, and I can't fund my own business if I'm relying on the stake pool. Delegators are not you have to rely on your delegators to stick with you it's it's not something that's just going to stay forever right and it's you know what i mean yeah, you want to say something kyle focus, that, that, that's why we that's why we need to look for for, for for synergies you know uh when you have when you have multiple sure, multiple but i think, I think we yeah, we need to look at the value that the person's bringing to the community. That's why the pool's there, right? They're running a pool so they can have capital so they can operate. You know, that's that's the whole idea, you know. So, I mean, it, for, for those that have dual initiatives, right, dual intentions. And so whether their pool's successful or not, it's it's all about cash flow, too. You may have a pool, you know, hey, you're doing fantastic. And, you know, it's giving you some cash flow you can operate with. But does it Maybe. cover everything you need? I don't know that. You know that. You may need a proposal in parallel, you know. Can, can I so, share? And that's really can, what it comes down to. Can I share a four-minute video from a yeah. conference? I don't think it'll work right. And a four, uh, from what? Can, what's the four-minute video about? It's 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 a just after video of a conference that I sponsored without asking anybody any money and making any pitch about about the about the blockchain industry. 
I haven't pitched any single project. I'm saying there are people who invest a lot into this ecosystem and don't have a YouTube following, sponsor conferences, go do do the talks and don't ask for funding like that. So I think we already have even too many podcasts. And I just wanted to sh show the level of professionalism that, that, that we, uh, everybody who attended, even during the COVID times, about 350 people came in person. Uh, and everyone says that it was one of the best conferences in Central Europe with regards to the blockchain topic. We didn't charge any entrance fee. Everything was sponsored by, by local companies like Satoshi Labs, which makes Trezor, uh, my company, uh, General Bytes, which makes ATMs, which will now integrate uh, ADA support as well, and so on and so forth. So I'm so, you know, when it comes to the YouTube presence of people and the amount of podcasts and so on, I think we already even have maybe too much if we look at it. Uh, as so too much and too much in what sense? Like how is there too many? Because I haven't really seen any podcast other than the Cardano effect. As, and then as soon as stake pools went live, they realized that a good way to attract delegates was creating YouTube content and podcasts. Because yes. if you would have said the same thing two months ago, there would there wasn't any at all, right? And, and well, Kaizen was here still. <laughs> yeah, and so was I. And I, I've been here for a year, and I've been doing this all for free, right? I, I... Rick, Rick, Rick had his channel. Philip had his channel. But uh, we already know. We, I think there is like 20 proposals for a podcast. And we know that the CH uh, is going to match three. One for about the developers, about the, the development applications. I think that's where you want to focus your niche. That's, that's why Are you, you talking to me or Pratesh? I'm talking to uh, to Big Pay, yeah, to you. Uh, I'm actually going for the use and utility podcast. It does have, yeah, so yeah. those would be the, the the apps. Then there should be one about development, actual development, like yeah. teaching produce, teaching Marlowe. I don't know who is proposing that. And then there should the be finance uh, financial, podcast, which is and Umed. that's gonna be Umed because he is the only one in the community who actually already showed that he knows something about finance. So, so you know, I want to see SPO rap battles. So, so then, then I wonder, <laughs> where, where, where does uh, Kaizen's uh, channel fit in? If it would be the the development uh, channel or the the actual Plutus and and Marlowe and maybe a little bit of Haskell here and there, uh, type of content or what what would be the content? Yeah, so we'd be going for for a bit of everything, really. You know, Pay was talking about news. You know, we're going to go for education, um, having guest speakers. So, you know, as far as having a specific niche, it's really going to cater towards the layman. You know, we're, we're going to try and go for something that's a platform for people who are getting started with Cardano. But, you know, they're not maybe as technically savvy as a lot of people. Or maybe they want to learn about how to start with wallets. Maybe they have a question about delegation. Um, so there's a lot of things aside from building dApps. I mean, we're focusing on dApps right now because that's the part of the proposal that we're dealing with in Catalyst. But, uh, you know, we're, we're really going to build a platform that's all-encompassing that can be a good place to, to get started. So how does that going to the positioning between your proposal and TCE? So the Cardano effect, I mean, they've got guest speakers. Uh, so things yeah. like what we do, we actually deliver, like, so relevant news. I mean, as far as um, addressing the community, talking about updates. Uh, you know, we do guides and how-to videos. So there's a lot of education there as well. 
And I do appreciate you bringing this up, Mark, because I see a lot of this sentiment either in the Discord and either on Project Catalyst that there are too many podcasts and there's too much going on. And I do see completely where you're coming from. And I, But at the same time, I don't think all these podcasts are going to pass, you know, and I do think it's important to look. And you talk about relevant experience. The only person that has that relevant experience was Umed. And I don't necessarily agree with that because relevant experience in social media and making content that people want to see and content that people feel brings value is relevant experience, right? No. And it's and for, it's not for financial, yeah. for financial podcast the relevant experience for a financial podcast, yeah. But and that's what that's what he's proposing. And also and also professional profession professional is relevant. So he can he hire he can hire a PR manager. He needs to know what securities are, uh, how financial markets function, uh, how how would a DeFi uh, uh, decentralized exchange uh, be compare be comparable towards a centralized uh, stock stock exchange like Nisa or Nasdaq, uh, and and this sort of stuff, tax implications, uh, uh, business models, revenue, tokenomics. That's that's something that that Umed demonstrated that he has. He is a, cert, a certified financial advisor, and so on. When it comes to you know uh, retweeting, getting followers, media, and so on, he can hire a PR manager for that if the channel will be successful. That, that's so, not so, the, the, so do you personally think that I'm not competent to do what we're doing here today because I don't have all of the are. relevant experience? We are, we, we are talking about about the future use cases for Cardano. Yeah. And here we are talking about what the idea is. And this podcast is perfect for that. But when I would be getting into the details of the tokenomics, I would much rather ha- have that uh, podcast as one-to-one or, or one-to-two on UMAT's financially focused uh, channel where we would talk uh, an hour just about the financials. We would... Uh, bring up the budget, the expected revenues, uh, discounted cash flow forecast for next five years, and so on and so forth. That's where I see Umet's Umet's channel. So you know, so you know, uh, TCE as 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 a main platform, maybe they are a little little slow, so th- they don't release that that often. Then maybe one more podcast that does more often news that could be Kaizen, uh, that the new for the, for the uh, applications. Uh, then you have Umed for the financial side, and then we need one more who actually gonna teach the Plutus, uh, the, the 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 programming stuff, the hardcore stuff, the the Plutus and Marlow stuff. But I haven't seen a proposal for podcasts like that, and that's 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 missing in my opinion. And I also think that there needs to be, and this is the thing, this is why it's like it's hard to say how many podcasts there should be because well, I I think there should be a podcast that focuses specifically on governance, right? I mean, that's kind of what I'm doing here today. I have you guys on with your ideas before we go into the refine phase. Following the refine phase, there's going to be another phase that needs to have more people on the podcast. Then following that comes the voting phase where there's seven days where people actually pick those proposals out to vote. So in a way, there would be need to be a podcast to have all of those people on talk about the proposals if they're interested to bring light to them, you know? So it's, it's hard to say how many podcasts there should be for certain because that's really on the viewers, it's on the voters, it's on the value that people think that they bring to the ecosystem, right? And that's why it's nice that we all have our say in this. And I do see where you're coming from. And I do appreciate you bringing that up on this podcast, because a lot of people have the same sentiment as you. And it's important to let it vote and see how it happens. But out of the 20 podcasts that are proposed, 
I'm sure that maybe it might only be the Cardano effect with them asking for the 640,000 ADA, originally 750,000. It might be that one's the only one passes and mine fails. You know, Kaizen's could fail too. But out of all of those, I think the voting system is going to work. And the sediment that, oh, it's only going to be podcasts coming out of fun too, I think is is bullshit. There's my one cuss word out of there. I don't think it's only going to be podcasts coming out of it. I actually think that TCE yeah. is one of the podcasts that shouldn't get funded by the DC fund because they are already funded by the by the CF, and I think that that that, that can continue for a little longer. Second of all, they already have the audience, and uh, if they would and and they been offered promotions, so they can be self-funded. Actually, TCE can be self-funded. They don't need startup capital. I, I think I think they they could apply for DC fund a little bit later, but I don't think DC should be the one who, who who gets the funding, especially given the amount they are asking for. I understand that the time uh, uh, it takes to produce the content, but uh, but also we need to take into consideration that uh, every single one of the, the hosts uh, uh, runs a pool which brings revenue, and that they are already funded by the uh, by the by the Cardano Foundation. Yeah, see, I don't agree with the pool part. I, just think we need I don't agree. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. Both of those guys had their YouTube channels way before their stake pools. Yeah, see, it, but so the where I do where I do agree with you specifically is the fact that they already received funding from the Cardano Foundation. And they're asking, and, and initially they're at, so I actually commented on there. A lot of people were saying, you're asking for too well, much, well, blah, 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 blah. My main issue was with the fact that they were asking for 35% of the total of the first fund when they already had funding from another source, right? And that's all to them. You know, if they can get the voters to vote for it, then go for it. But my issue is specifically when there's, I think, $80, $80 million in the treasury. My issue was the fact that they were asking for 34 to 35% when they already had funding from CF and they could have just asked for it in the next fund because this the, the funds weren't immediate to them, right? And that's just my own objective or not objective, but subjective opinion. And and, and that's fine. And I just I don't think that the pool should be taken into that as they I were doing it. their channels first and they do bring value. Oh, let me so you you said that they had their channels yeah, before the before that they had their channels before uh before they had the pools. But TCE was funded by someone else from day one. It was first funded by IOHK, then it was then it became funded by the CF. So it's not like TC would uh, start it. Sure. Yeah, um, no, but the yeah, let let Kyle talk. CF he's he's got a delay. Reference, Danny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the issue CF shouldn't be showing preference. So I understand the urgency to move that funding to the DC fund. So that part, yeah, I do too. Uh, fun too. Let's go for it. My well, my issue is, you know, you're right, paid. That's thirty some percent of the budget. And when you look at that versus, if if there are good ideas that would be very beneficial that don't go funded, that would be a shame. So I think something like a podcast, unless there's a really urgent need for that type of cash flow up front, to kind of piecemeal that out, and and they could get funding every six weeks or every twelve weeks. Um, in chunks and that would kind of you know uh, alleviate ideas but if there's not a lot of great ideas once it's said and done when we look at the pipe um then i could kind of you know i can see where they're coming from but i just don't want it to compete with something that we could use yeah and that's that's essentially exactly what i said in my comment and 
And I think one thing that's important to mention is it's not 750,000 aid anymore. They, um, I think it was Rick. Rick thought that 20% of the amount that they received actually went to voters. But the way the fund actually works is the 20% gets taken out first and whatever you ask for, you get. So after I said that to him, he actually lowered that from 750 down to 640. So it is less now. But yeah, I mean, that's just my opinion still stays the same. It's a pretty big portion of the total fund if there are no better ideas. But that's how it works anyway, right? It's not new news that if there are no better ideas, then I will vote for that because that's exactly what I would have done in the first place. You know, if there are no better ideas, I'm going to use my vote on the Cardano aura or the Cardano effect or, you know, whatever I like. And I think that's really on the voters to decide. And maybe to build a little bit on, on what Kyle said, he said uh, CF, uh, control, power, and so on and so forth. You need to understand that that the fact that CF sponsors TCE actually lowers the power of CF because they are divesting their ADA holdings to fund it, which which uh, which reduces their their control over the ecosystem. And we we already have a, a high level of of, of uh, consolidation of of the ADA stake uh in 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 certain entities and they don't have any restricted voting rights look at the uh, when we had the the german gander testnet extension proposal emurgo cf and uh, iohk together could have basically decided it all by themselves yeah it was only because cf decided to vote with half of their stake for yes and half of their stake uh, with no for no is why the extension didn't pass. So we need them to, to spread out the stake. We need them to divest the money. And if that money is going to the TCE, that's that's good because they are losing part of the control. That they, they must be getting even a huge amount on rewards from, from the staking by now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I see where you're coming from, man. Uh, but I think we should go to the next part of this podcast, and it's the final uh, idea from Kyle. Uh, real quick, is there anything else that you want to say on that, Kaizen? Uh, no, I think uh, it was really good to get out that uh, get all those points out there because it's like it's uh, it's interesting to see because you know even uh, I saw your comment related to their proposal and it's like right now they're just applying for the funding from the community. If they don't get funding, then they'll go back to getting funded from the Cardano Foundation. And like Mark was saying. It's good because it takes away power from the Cardano Foundation by them divesting some of that ADA. So it'll be interesting to see. That's all I can say. Yeah. And and I do think that's an important topic, man. So like, even though it's like, I, for some viewers, it may seem like a little tension, but I do think it's a really good thing to bring up. And, and it's important. Oh, I, I just, you know, a lot of people just, have that sentiment. Why so many podcasts? Why so many podcasts? All you have to do is vote no. That's it, man. And that's what's the beautiful, beautiful part of the system. And there is an issue with it, right, where you have IOHK with, I think, two or three billion or whatever. So they can they can vote alone. If they vote yes in my podcast, guess which podcast is getting through? You know, that's but that but that issue, that's kind of an issue we all signed up for, you know, as long as they didn't sell that ADA. But I do want to move on to the final proposal with Kyle. Um, So take the floor. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Pay. So um, uh, a lot of you guys who know me well know that I uh, run a business and it's called Adoja. And it's a pivot from an ad tech uh, initiative. And I built, you know, all the technology from ground up. And, you know, I kind of saw Charles whiteboard video and was inspired like so many and just started building my app, my tail off, excuse me. And uh, <laughs> and so, you no know, worries. I've got a functional system that enables uh, end to end. uh <laughs> 
uh, management where individuals can deploy custom configured, you know, embedded controllers and monitor them over the internet. And so a piece that I need, and I'm obviously aligning this for tokenization on Cardano. There's a whole lot of wild things that I think we can do. And these are the types of experiments I want to conduct. And part of this equation, you know, devices right now on platform can purchase in platform upgrades and things like that. And so I'm looking at how, how can I create an embedded C library where I can sign transactions online on the embedded devices. And that what enables me to do is I can put a private key on the device so they can basically have its own wallet. It can make purchases for itself as well as sign data that it pushes back to the server, which we can on the back end align with the DMP to actually buy that data and monetize it and guarantee that it's coming from devices, you know, for various analog sensory data, moisture sensors, temperatures, you know, around different geolocations around the world. Define DMP. You said it connects back to DMP. So like a a data marketplace. So so an individual that would want to pay money for that data. And what I can do is monetize that and return that in form of tokens for payment. So it's a way to monetize creations for providing data, if you will. Um, and it works a little bit on a larger scale because data is, you know, relatively cheap. It, it's, 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 it's valuable in volume. But that's just one side of the tokenomics. What I really want to do is create a platform. And I'm enabling this all on platform. There's token transactions and all this thing, all these things happening now. But where users can create IoT profiles, like some of my customers, you know, out in Colorado or Canada can sell their operating profiles for in packages for how they grow cannabis to other users with identical hardware. So now we're creating a peer-to-peer marketplace and opportunity for people to create things and to promote their creations and enable them to other users. So I'm going to tie that in with the Gogan smart contract. But one of the pieces having the devices and the keys online for a C library, to, or excuse me, ha, be, ha, creating a C library so the devices can sign locally. I need that anyways. And so I've got to sit down and build that. And, you know, an entrepreneur, you got to get eat what you kill and it's rough. So um, if I can get some funding to feed my family while I build that, I can put in some extra time into making that an Arduino library. And if you guys aren't familiar with Arduino, it's probably one of the world's most popular um, embedded development IDE where, you know, people can deploy rapid prototyping for embedded devices. And so, you know, I would integrate this that's compatible with the Wi-Fi subsystems that I'm using uh, for that. And then individuals could take this library and now they can sign transactions locally. So the idea is you build the transaction server side, you send the built transactions to the devices locally, they sign them, and then they can output the signed transaction file to go back to the server for submission. So it's kind of a way to enable developers to also get creative you know it's going to help me solve some problems but other developers can then take the c library and port them and, and use that in their own applications so that's kind of kind of my approach with that i mean i'm going to build it anyways it's just you know that's just kind of how i roll but it's I, i'd like to put it into a, a format that's really going to help cardano you know I, i'd love to do that starting out but you know uh being a self-funded entrepreneur you fly really low to the trees sometimes and you don't always have the opportunity to do that yeah. And I do like that you state that, um, like you got to kill what you eat, man, because I mean, people even ask yeah. like, well, what, what do you need 30,000 or not 30,000, but 15,000 from the DC fund, uh, to do a podcast, you know? And it's like, I'm obviously oh, going to get nicer. 2000, huh? A camera, a, a camera co- will, will cost you 500 bucks. A microphone will cost you 300. Mm-hmm. And there, there are capital expenses in the in the podcast. Yeah, but it's just it's not much compared. I mean, there's really not much expensive when it comes to being a dev either. But 
Um, it's just, I think it's important to bring that up that, that you're actually going to use the funds for, for paying yourself to build it. You know, um, how much are you asking for? Yeah, I got kids, man. Yeah. Uh, 7,500 or 75,000 ADA. So it's not a lot, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's basically buys it's the same know, money. I, I am now, feeds a kid. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's reasonable. I mean, yeah. And, ha- I and how long on it? I think you said, you said three it. months. Yeah, I get that question a lot too. What are you going to use the funds for? Months. I mean, yeah, what do you think I'm going to use the funds for? I got to eat, man. Yeah. Stuff doesn't build itself. Yeah, and that's like yeah. with with my podcast, I'm promising 52 episodes that uh, minimum, which I, I'm currently doing one episode a week. So that's, you know, it's a lot of, that's it's a, a year. a lot of work, man. Yeah. It is. No, uh, it's only an hour long, but it's some work, man. So when you, when you mentioned the C library for for secure signing, uh, we we spoke together about the, about the Tropic Square, the the Satoshi Labs joint venture that does the secure elements, the research, the extra the DX guy from Intel. Before you answer, we're entering the Q and A session. If you guys have any questions about Kyle's proposal, feel free. Yeah, Kyle, that's a pretty cool proposal. Um, Arduino, that's awesome, man. Uh, I like a lot of that open source stuff. It's really cool to see what you're going to do with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can go right now and get an open source script and flash it to an ESP board and connect to the platform. And you've got a custom IoT controller. You know, yeah. we've got it, we've got free access in it, a premium model there. Yeah, I mean, we sell I.O. boards if you don't want to buy it. You know, I spin hardware and all that's open hardware. So the schematics are present. So if you guys want to make your own moisture sensors for like, you know, less than $2 a piece, you can order 50 and, you know, I've got the bill of materials and, and all the Gerbers and everything you need just to send them to a ma- manufacturer. And there you go. You've got moisture sensors. So all the hardware that we spend, you know, we're putting out there and giving away to everybody too. So uh, my whole goal is to, how am I going to decentralize this initiative? And it's got to be done in steps. And I've learned a heck of a lot being a stake pool operator about incentivizing. So after I get the kind of the devices and the, and the marketplaces kind of where they need to be, I want to model out a way to kind of decentralize the actual centralized architecture and maybe valid, give it SPOs an opportunity to monetize by validating profiles or requests from devices. So to kind of really, truly decentralize it. And these are kind of thoughts I'm putting out there. And this obviously goes way beyond the scope of the 7500. But just gives you an idea, kind of what I've been building towards. Nice, for sure. Yeah. So for there's 74 people watching, and we currently only have 36 likes. What the hell, man? Do you guys hate this? Please, please leave a like on it. It really, really helped me out in the algorithm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I just wanted so to add. I have a king. Maybe. Maybe. Sorry, sorry, Mark. I just wanted to explain Eye of the King better. Maybe, maybe I can explain this better. So right now I've got a system where you can basically use your phone, add Wi-Fi credentials to a little controller device. It hooks up to a platform. From there, you can, you can basically say, okay, whatever sensor input, I want it to trigger this. Or you can trigger different outputs on timings and schedules or sensory inputs. And you can create an embedded controller. For example, I've got a plant watering system. You know, you create and deploy it in seconds. And it can detect moisture level, water on moisture level, water once a day. It's got level sensor switches that can tell you when it's out of water, send alerts. That's one application. You could even do something as simple as sticking a motion detector on that triggers a 
a relay switch to turn on your Christmas tree lights when you walk in the room or use a motion detector to kind of set it only to operate between 2 and 4 p.m. while you're at work to see if your spouse is doing something kooky in the bedroom or, you know, self-change security systems. You know, I've got natural gas applications that are monitoring gas levels and triggering on different analog levels. So it's basically a platform where one piece of hardware can enable thousands of applications. And so from there, we can enable people, incentivize people to create hardware. We can incentivize them to create custom binaries. We can incentivize them to create and sell and monetize um, their IoT profiles. So now somebody who's created a system that grows the perfect tomatoes or watermelons can sell those operating profiles to anybody in the world as long as they've got identical hardware. So that it, it basically incentivizes content creation. Like, oh, look at my brand new whatever. Here's how I built it. All you got to do is buy these profiles and it's all kind of locked into a smart contract and you can create economies where people can earn money for building. And, and so it's you don't have to write any code. You don't have to know any hardware. It's like Legos for IoT. And so that's kind of where I'm taking it. And all that part works now. I just need to integrate Cardano. And, you know, we could push remote updates and that's what we're doing so we can keep making it better. So that's kind of where I'm at. And obviously I want to open source the whole thing at some point, but I've got to do it in pieces and I'm building a team, too. So if any of you guys are devs out there and want to really work on something awesome, hit me up. That, that, so uh, as we spoke about that secure element by, by Tropic Square, uh, I spoke with, with, with Pavel today. And they are applying for the for the Skywater 130 nanometers uh, shadow run to have the first prototype prototypes manufactured. So I think you could have a secure element on that uh, embedded device within within 12 to 16 months, when when it would be actual actual the same the same level of, of chip that is used in in the uh, hardware devices like Ledger or Trezor. And it would cost like yeah, you, know, you know maybe two dollars. I come from semiconductors, and I think that uh, it's a good path to, to watch, but I like open hardware um, because, A, it's easy to source, and I've been in situations where either you've got to have high volume or you run into engagement guidelines with chips, and so this I think that, that may be something to explore this, this as, chip as an initiative that's be. funded when it's funded. But not as a core rely on it, man. I've been in a situation where I've had customers build stuff and they couldn't get the manufacturer to sell them the chip they needed because they are only going to buy, you know, a couple thousand out the gauges. You know, the semiconductor manufacturers manufacture for volume. And so some chips require a hell of a lot of support. And based on customer volume, they don't want to give that support. So I'm yeah. looking at it from how can anybody in the world plug something together and make it work? And I want to stay away from proprietary type stuff in that regard. That's not uh, it's not widely used, but it, it, they're great experiments once you got revenue flowing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to discredit what you're saying. I get it. But there's kind of like a path of how you got to build shit stuff and put it together. Look, I was not just I think it's a I think it's a really good time for that, Kyle. Like just um, I've been looking to start a lot more projects at home. And I think a lot more people would be interested in that now that there's a lot more time being spent at home instead of the office, you know. Yeah, Need yeah, some you know, and projects, some things that make it a lot easier. I've just got to push mm -hmm. the content. Yeah, it's cool stuff, man. Yeah, it really is. What were you saying, Mark? Sorry about that. Didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, 
I was just wanted to say you, you can start with a certain level of security, and we 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 discussed that uh, with with Kyle that uh, basically with the current state of technology, the, if somebody steals the device, he can steal the crypto. I was just adding that in 12 to 16 months there will be an open source chip which will be uh, able to protect you from that because they got the volume, they got the manufacturer. They know who's gonna uh, who's gonna build that chip for them. So that chip is going to be here in 16 months, and it's just then about adding it. So if you build the platform now, version one, in in 16 months, it can be uh, 10 times more secure when it comes to the protection of the funds on the device. So you can even start selling high value uh, data, uh, w w which may cost, for instance, hundred bucks. You wouldn't leave a hundred bucks on your on your uh, uh, moisture sensor, but uh, but with with a secure chip you can, right? So I think that, that there yeah, is a no, great, great synergy. I think there is a great synergy. So I think, I think it's, it's good if you would get the project started now. So by the time the chip is ready, it could it could it could even accelerate the. The, the development of the industry overall, not just Cardano and not just the chip, not just IoT. We need to think lots of about the synergistic alliances when we talk about these projects. And I see the, the same thing with your project. I see a synergy with my project uh, that the code that you have, actually the application, could run on, on dCloud while using something like temperature data uh, fr from Adocia uh, sensors, right? And then we can start talking yeah. about yeah, I mean, building uh, building an EI that powers and uh, and powers on and off uh, different servers in different regions based on the price of electricity, temperature, use and utility, and so on and so forth. The same way that Google does it, the same way Amazon does it, and that's why they they have so such a big margins because they use this smart technology, and we are just trying to do the same, but in a more open, decentralized way where these projects needs to work together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, what I'm looking at is, okay, at what point, because what you're proposing is a hardware spin of a baseboard, which isn't a big deal. I mean, I can spend sensors and, and you know, the moisture sensor, I think uh, I got that right in maybe two or three spins and Proto's, you know, it was less than $500. And that's including my first ship, you know, 50 shipment populated. I, um, you know, baseboards are going to be a little bit more expensive. So it really comes down to what the chip does. You know, I'm interested in what IOG is working on. They're working on silicon too, that can sign transactions offline. So depending on that, a lot of Arduino applications aren't necessarily internet connected. You know, I'm going after ESP 286, you know, and ESP 8266 kind of architecture. And that's, that, that enables Wi-Fi. Whereas, you know, there's, uh, I think RS-232 port on some, or on a lot of Arduino boards or whatnot, but, you know, if you can enable the offline transaction, I want to look at it. Okay, every, what do we every... have to build to get to the next step, and what else can we enable along the way? So architecturally, it's got to be modular, modularized. But right now, I'm kind of locked into this ESP8266 from a code base. I'm not a big operation. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm dealing with a half a million lines of code for all my entire operation, and it's a lot. So to, to look at all these different things, there's got to be significant funding. And what's that, that in place? I'm down to segment stuff out. But, I, you know, I, I'm on this, you know, I'm flying low to the trees as an entrepreneur. So I just can't embrace like, okay, let's do this. Let's align for this. Let's align for this. What I'm trying to do is get people using tokens on Cardano. And then from there, we can enable these solutions. So you're right. 
what I'm saying is, okay, I'm going to encrypt the private keys on storage on the devices and, and let, you know, account for them to be compromised. But also, I think that mechanisms should be put in place that so there's never really any significant funds in the wallet, as well as mechanisms in place so there can't be some sort of mass system withdrawal, right? And then kind of incur regular withdrawals and that and mitigate that until we do have trusted hardware and then figure out that path. If I can build hardware and incorporate that into the existing code base, that's what we would want to do. Otherwise, we're just starting all over. I mean, building hardware is work. Software is a lot more work, right? Depending on how sophisticated the hardware is. So you, we've got, I've got to look at this. And I mean, guys, I live out in the boonies. You know, there's been times where I had to go kill something out in the wild just because I needed to cover these business costs. So it's not like I can just say, hey, let's just build this or build that or build that. There's got to be a lot of kind of strategy. I'm not saying I cut corners, but, you know, if, 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 I, had, if I had a billion dollars or if I had $10 million, I'd be doing it hell of a lot of different stuff i'll tell you that much right now man you're lucky that but, you can do that in the city i can go get big rats and that's about it man you know oh, really? <laughs> yeah that's nasty. yeah you can't go kill nothing out here man <laughs> might find some homeless that's really about it but um i'm gonna go ahead and do the closing um, if you guys have any more questions, I will leave three more minutes to answer those questions, but I'm gonna do the closing first, answer those last three questions, and then we're going to close out. So this was the Cardano aura episode three. This was a, a little breakaway from the usual format. Um, this was specifically about ideas that are going for funding on project catalyst. I will probably do one of these a month minimum, uh, because I think it's really important. There currently aren't a lot of People that have built are ready that can come display their projects. I do have a bunch lined up, but it's important to also get these ideas out there because I look at this the same way I look at stake pool operators, right? Currently, there are 120 ideas. It's hard for one person or even five people to sort, sort through and really give 120 ideas the time of day. So the point of this podcast is to bring the light, some light to those ideas because a lot of those people with good ideas don't have a way to advertise those ideas. I really do think this is going to turn up the same way stake pools did. I think in, in, a, in three months, four months from now, there's going to be a thousand ideas there. And there has to be a way for people to, to market and, and, and get these ideas out there. Or it's, it's going to be the same thing. You know, you know, it's, and that's what really the whole point of this is. I'll do one of these a month. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you made it to the end of this podcast, uh, type good shit in the comments down below if you made it till the end, because you must have thought that if you made it this far. So I do appreciate it. Also, if you're still here, please leave a like on the video. Turn that notification bell on. It really does support my channel. We'll take those final questions. Thank you guys all for coming on. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a great chat. Okay, no, Thanks, no questions guys. then. Okay, th th thanks for having me. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I think there will be a lot, much more proposals and we, we will need to figure out the mechanism how to, how to separate the good ones from the bad ones. I think a little bit what, what, what the pool stake delegates should, look, should be looking at now is actually the ability of their operator to give them advice on the governance side later on. Because, because they're going to be like the first line of defense because there's going to be 1,000 yeah. proposals and your pool, op your, your pool op operator publishes on his website a short list of, of 100. And you just have a, a factor 1 to 10 reduction in, 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 in studying material. 
and and so on and so forth. So so I, I see I see you know the governance and the, and the stake pool operation and all that. I see it as a connected, not as a totally disconnected businesses. And that's why I even made the remarks regarding the podcast and so on and so forth. I think there should be synergies and building fewer stronger companies as opposed to many uh, smaller businesses because it provides bigger resilience for the ecosystem in a, in a, in a short term, and we can always decentralize further later on. Yeah, I respect that, man. I really do. Um, I, I see a lot of similarities with the stake pool market and then what the project catalyst market will be. I, I really do think that because a lot of stake pools are really just running to get funding for their own projects anyway. You know, So I think there will be a lot of similarities in the amount of ideas and the amount of proposals. And there's going to be a struggle for a lot of people to market those proposals. So if I could give you any advice, and it's the same advice I give stake pool operators, is is we're in 2020, man. You have to, you have to build up your Twitter account. You have to maybe build up a YouTube if you have the time for it because there's really no other way in this day and age to get your ideas out there you know kyle so. kyle, kyle already knows uh, that uh, i am building a youtube channel because his wife uh took a bitmap logo i had and made it into vectors <laughs> isn't that right kyle the, the, the storage guy logo yeah man you got me working yeah. for free man yeah. i remember <laughs> yeah <laughs> i did some stuff for you as well but yeah, I, I'm actually planning to, to to shoot the first the first episode uh, some sometimes this month uh, as as a, as a sort of high level introduction into the into how the market works right now. Then I do competitive analysis of those projects on other chains, and 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 I'll start building building it that way. Yeah. Tweet it at me, man. I'll retweet it. I always try to help out people start new podcasts. But anything you want to say, Kyle? Before we log off, we didn't get any new questions. Um, no, just thanks everybody. I appreciate you having me on. It's always a pleasure. Um, thank you. So that's all. Yeah. I had a great time. I think this is a good podcast, man. I don't often say that, but thank you guys all for tuning in. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Thanks so much, guys. Bye-bye. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.